So a lot of the conversation in recent days has only been about pitches. Everyone is an, an expert. We're going to try and help you be an expert, certainly on turners, because that seems to be uh, a huge uh, point of debate these days. Sanjay Manjrekar in cricket, not just Indian cricket, but cricket around the world. You've had your say, you've grown up, you've slept overnight perhaps on turners across the country. We're going to try and break this conversation down into helping our viewers understand better how Indian pitches that are considered to be turners and almost with a negative connotation to that, you know, to understand them better, to understand the challenges for batsmen and to also understand how we as viewers tend to perceive these sorts of surfaces. So, welcome Sanjay. Let's start by having this discussion, uh, uh, why the need for this discussion arises. You know, why do we need to understand turners better? Do you think there is a misconception on how we look at turning pitches in the world, especially in India? Uh, you're right, actually, to begin with by saying that I'm an expert of your turning pitches because, interestingly, I made my Ranji Trophy debut on a ranked turner in Haryana because they had two you know, spinning stalwarts, the legendary great uh, Rajinder Goel and Sarkar Talwar. And uh, that was my debut Ranji game and the highest score in the match was around 54 or something like that. So, yes, I have had a very close relationship with turners. Uh, but I guess uh, over a period of time, uh, uh, because of um, basically the the noise around matches, uh, that's all got amplified. There are more platforms. Uh, the voice of the fans uh, is heard more uh, these days than before. There are a lot of experts on various platforms. So there is a certain kind of message that everyone gets after every match. And I guess we are getting varied kind of in opinions on uh, turners and uh, particularly the turner in the pink ball test match. So I guess uh, since the mid 80s, because I've been very closely involved with Indian cricket, maybe you could just talk about turners from that period till now, I guess. Okay. So let's talk about it then. Uh, when we talk about pitches like there was a conversation in Ahmedabad in the third test, there was a conversation in Chennai after the second test, and it all seemed to suggest turners in a negative sense, that the batsmen don't stand much of a chance. It's an unfair advantage to spinners. Even spinners like Ashwin are then, uh, there are comments from cricketers of previous generations like Yuvrat Singh saying, oh, you know, look at what would have happened had players in the 80s or 90s had those sorts of turners. So suddenly we are having a conversation which is generational or from a period to period. Have pitches changed so much in what you've seen? Turners that are far more assisting spinners today versus what they were 10 years back, 20 years back? Uh, let me talk about what I know. I have no idea about how exactly the pitches were in the 70s and the 60s when, you know, when our great spinners bowled on Indian pitches. But then you also have evidence of Vivian Richards getting 170 on an Indian turner. So, you would assume maybe it's not, uh, maybe those pitches weren't as difficult to bat on. But from the 90s, there have been pitches uh, and I was part of that team where Mohamed Azharuddin was the captain, Wadekar was the coach. And we had turners in that uh, period. And India played three spinners. We had Anil Kumle, Venkatpati Raju, Rajesh Chauhan. But that was a period when Indian batsmen were getting big scores on the board. And the foreign team struggled on those turning pitches. So clearly pitches were made to suit the cause of the home team. Because Indian batting wasn't that great against pace and bounds. But it was a case of those pitches being Indian turners. Now we're increasingly seeing uh, a debate about uh, turners 
that give batsmen no chance at all. Mm. So I think that I guess has changed even in that period. Uh, you know, if you remember the Hirwani uh, Test match, 16 wickets when Hirwani bowled. I mean, it was very difficult for the batsmen. But Kapil Dev got a hundred in the first innings. So mm. it was a turner by day four, five in West Indies struggle. Hirwani got 16 wickets. He struggled to get uh, a total of 16 in the series overseas. So clearly there was home advantage, but that's just advantage. I don't believe, Ronak, in fair and unfair pitches because once you have conditions that are same for both sides, it's fair and unfair for both sides. Okay, that's interesting. If you remember the conversation of the first test at Chennai, there was a lot of criticism of that surface because it said that it gave the team that won the toss a far superior advantage. Whereas if you look at Ahmedabadu, even the second test in Chennai, that conditions were more or less the same. Now, is that a way to assess a pitch at times? If there is a question of fair and unfair, would you rather have a pitch that the third test in Ahmedabad gave than the first test in Chennai, for example? Uh, see, I don't buy into the theory where uh, England won the test because they won the toss. Okay. Um, I guess that is what I'm talking about, the, the message that comes across from various platforms. The players have their say, and the experts who are watching the game, different kind have their uh, say as well. The fans also now have a platform, so you get a certain message coming through. And my view is that India have lost tosses at home in the past as well, where uh, pitches were similar to Chennai. But the big difference in Chennai in that first test was a foreign team won the toss and batted superbly in that first inning, which has rarely happened in the last few years. Under Dhoni, there was a period when Dhoni kept losing tosses, where the opposition got a chance to bat first, which was brilliant, but just couldn't get enough runs on the board. India then batted on day two and three and got a lot of runs, and the foreign team struggled as the pitch started to wear out. So I don't think the toss was the deciding factor there. It was basically a slow surface that allowed batsmen to survive. The surface was, you know, crumbly. But the thing, Ronak, about Indian pitches is inherently it's like human beings. You know, there is an inherent nature in us. And, you know, I, I believe in this fact that we don't change. And my uncle keeps saying, you know, Ronak, that people don't change, Sanjay. Mm -hmm. So the, the flatness in Indian pitches continues to be hidden under the surface. So that is what happened in Chennai. It was dry. The ball was turning. But the flatness of the surface beneath you know, just allowed the pitch to play properly. It was a slow turn, which allowed the batsman to survive. But saying that England won the test match because they won the toss is really diluting and undermining one of uh, you know, the great innings that we've seen in Indian conditions because it was a double hundred by Joe Root and the technique employed by Stokes and Sibley and Joe Root were, was brilliant. Also, let's bear uh, another thing in mind, uh, not just the toss, uh, you know, which came into play. It was also that you know, Joe Root uh, batted beautifully, out-batted India in that test match. And the other very important thing that happened was that India had two spinners, Ravichandran Ashwin and uh, Shahbaz Nadeem, Washington Sundar, hardly bowled. They're both uh, bowlers who bowled generally about 80 kilometers per hour. Uh, Ashwin is more, you know, a bowler with guile. Had Akshar Patel with his speed and his high release. Uh, and his accuracy and Shahbaz Nadeen was a huge disappointment in that test match. Had Akshar Patel played that test match, you know, who knows? India would have competed better. Who knows? Uh, he would have maybe have been so effective that India could have ended up dominating that test match. And it would have been another match where India would have lost the toss and won the test match in a, in a home season. 
Okay, so I'm glad you make that point. We keep talking about great players off spin and they stand out when they come to India. Joe Root in that first test, you go back to Kevin Peterson, very few overseas batsmen, you can, you can count them who play these match-defining innings on turners. When you then have batting collapses like we saw in the third test or when you have conversation uh, that, oh, the ball is turning from day one, it almost seems like batsmen say they don't stand a chance. Even if they're good players of spin, they don't stand a chance. Now, is that fair criticism of pitches which are too hard or is it uh, a reflection of batsmanship standards not quite being as high as they were, you know, where there aren't enough batsmen that can find a way to play if you come up on a turner which is turning from day one? Uh, three points coming through your question. The first one is, you know, when I look at a pitch, I don't look at how batsmen are playing on it. I rely okay. completely on the visual that I get from the pitch. So it doesn't matter what's happening, how the batsman has played that particular delivery. So when it comes to the uh, the last, the ping ball test match, I uh, drew a conclusion very early in the test match when I saw the 13th over from Akshar Patel in a five-day match. Uh, I said 10 fingers, five in a five-day <laughs> match, where, uh, you know, in the 13th over, you had Akshar Patel bowling a ball on good length and the ball then turned and went straight to Ajinkirhan at first slip. That's the visual confirmation evidence that I needed as a former cricketer and now, of course, watching the game over the years to conclude how this pitch was. So how anyone batted and how anyone survived is another matter. We've seen Steve Smith get uh, 100 on another you know, ranked turner. I wouldn't say that it was uh, impossible to play on that pitch, but Indian batsmen struggled on a home pitch, whereas Steve Smith got 100. Matt Renshaw batted for about three hours and Australia won the game. So here was an evidence of batsmen making better or surviving better on a pitch like that. The third very important point that we have to make, and it's thanks to Michael Atherton who brought out that point, is uh, DRS, Ronald. Mm leg befores because during our time you know there was one series i remember jimmy adams he was nicknamed jimmy adams because on indian turning pitches he used the pad beautifully to survive and it was impossible to get out andy flower all these guys used the pad a lot pad play was an important technique to survive and get run that has completely gone out of the game so it's increasingly difficult for batsmen to survive on turning pitches because they cannot use two lines of defense. It's just got to be bad because if it strikes the pad, you're out of the ball is hitting the sound. There would have been numerous leg befores mm. in our time if DRS was uh, in existence. Okay. So the challenge of playing on turners for batsmen, you seem to almost indicate through your last answer, is perhaps even greater than the challenge of playing on wickets that are seeming from day one, that may be a bit damp. And that always comes in when England tend to criticise pitches that turn, because the, the fan in the subcontinent or India would say, oh, you know, look at what you offer when we've seen. We remember Stuart Broad in the Ashes in 2015, getting on eight for dismissing Australia for 60. And all of a sudden, after that, conditions seem to even out and Australia got, England got nearly 400. So, uh, is our seeming pitches, first two questions here, are seeming pitches... Uh, still easier to navigate for batsmen than turners? And is there a slight uh, double standard in how we have the narrative around these pitches? Is seem considered a more noble deception? It's okay to run through a bowling attack or batting lineup and get them for 60 as the ball is swimming, uh, ball is seeming. But if the same thing happens with the, a turning ball, it's frowned upon. 
Okay, now, well, you know, as I said before, there's a lot of, uh, you know, debate and talk around a particular match, around issues, but there are a lot of things that are unsaid as well. I don't think too many people would want to mention a public platform, the intention, why preparing a pitch? What is the intention of the local uh, board or the country? What kind of a pitch is being prepared? Uh, I have toured, um, you know, to foreign countries a lot, and I have seen at the start, you know, fresh pitch where toss becomes really crucial. But the advantage of a damp pitch or a green pitch, take the, take the example for Indian fans of uh, the Lord's uh, Test match, yeah. which India yeah. won, where Ajinkya Rani got 100. And it was amazing because the sun came out on all three, four days that the pitch started off looking like a green strip on day one and progressively became brown, light brown, and then white. So with green tops, you have those pitches getting better and better. You know, it becomes flatter. So the toss becomes crucial. It used to happen at the one Kitty Stadium as well earlier when they wouldn't make turners, where the first session, there was so much dampness in the pace that a team could be 20 for five and then would struggle to catch up, you know, with the opposition, even if the pitch improved. So I have more time for green tops and seeding pitches. Uh, only problem with pitches uh, which are not up to a certain level uh, with regards to pace and seem as if they're going to be dangerous. Like the one we had at the Wanderers, where there was you know a lot of uh, talk and players going off that pitch, and India continued to bat on that one. I have a problem with that pitch as well. But the advantage with seeming pitches is that they tend to get better once the sun comes out. Which would then perhaps indicate that it it is still unfair for both teams. The conditions don't remain the same, or is that a nuance of Test cricket you're willing to accept? That's the toss factor now. And, okay. you know, I've always believed that in this sport, this is perhaps the only sport where a spin of the coin uh, gives you such a huge advantage. I'm not saying, you know, it happens as much in uh, uh, our conditions because a good team tends to come back that because the pitch continues to aid, uh, you know, spinners. But on green tops, I mean, Lords was a great example and there have been many uh, matches where toss became crucial. You won the toss and you won the game. So, uh, you know, spin of the coin to decide such a huge advantage, something that I've always believed that one must look at. And I have um, a suggestion and an idea to just neutralize that advantage, but that's for another day. No, tell us now. Come on. We have time. <laughs> so, if it's a three-match series. Just to even out the contest between two teams, you have a uh, toss for the first game. The team winning the toss, uh, or rather winning the game, forsakes the advantage of calling first for the second game just to give the losing team the advantage for the second match you know just to mm -hmm. even now because what you want as cricket fans and for the long-term health of the game is that you have an even contest between bat and ball and between two teams so if you have a team that has won the toss or maybe just won the game the team that has lost just gets a little advantage to come back into the series uh, so they get the option of calling first as to what they want to do so no toss so let's work for the commentators as well to go there and do those tosses and interviews too. I tell you what, those uh, turners are also less work for the commentators if you're looking at that. But uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, let's let's uh, uh, let uh, what, from what you've said, it also ref I think reflects what a lot of cricketers certainly see the game as. Certainly batsmen, but generally cricketers, they have more time for pitches that seem as against these ranked turners that we speak of. Uh, and you're willing to forsake an advantage for one team 
versus the other. That you're putting more onto the toss here. You're not really no yeah. criticizing the pitch if it's a seamer. So is there somewhere a subconscious class system in cricket where you know the sleep, the seeming wickets will always be given a lot more leeway. People have a lot more time, even if they produce the same sort of effect, or even if the effect is more unfair in terms of advantage to both teams than a turner. Is there a class system on how cricket perceives pitches where turners perhaps lie in the basement? Uh, I don't believe so because um, you know let's take I won't mention the country because when you're talking about class system you know which countries you're talking about but if you have a pitch where uh, in the tenth over of the game if a ball then if a spinner bowls a ball and the ball goes to four slip I think there will be talk and uh, criticism of that pitch uh, in Australia for example if you I, I've played a game where uh, on day four. At the Perth, uh, at Perth in a test match, a ball was bowled and shot of uh, length area, must have been more views, and the ball pitched in the crack and went straight to second slip. Hmm. You know, uh, nobody else was involved, it just went to second slip. So that, that guy was surprised. And it's happened a few times in test cricket, but never on day one. If that happened on day one, there will be talk about that particular pitch. You have never seen a green top or, you know, a seeming pitch where the ball has pitched on middle sum and Goes, gone straight to second slip. Doesn't happen very often. Having said that, there have been dangerous pitches. There have been mistakes made by groundsmen uh, where they have been worried about, you know, the sun being out of the pit, getting a bit too mm. dry. And they have watered the pitch a lot. So the first couple of hours becomes really difficult for batting. Uh, but now, because the pressure is so much on damp pitches and the ball doing too much in the first couple of hours, most curators end up. Uh, Erring on the side of the pitch being a bit too dry because they don't want to be caught watering the pitch. And what if the sun doesn't come out? So they work on the premise that the sun is not going to come out and I'm going to be watering the pitch less. And as a result, you see that happening uh, a lot. You see a lot of dry pitches. But class system, I'm not so sure, Ronak. Okay, fair enough. I'm going to actually talk about pitch preparation in a second now because you know we've spoken of the intent of making pitches uh, and the fact that this is so it seems to be such a hard job there's always chatter no matter what it could very well be an honest mistake from a curator and yet you know we uh, we have hours and hours of conversation of the surface after but just before that since we're on this subject is it an oversimplification from a viewer from a non player you know a lay person who's watching the game to say if the pitch reduces the toss advantage it's a good pitch i mean it's good for viewership it's good for competition for contest even if it's giving you the odd ball that's jumping and turning or, you know, what you mentioned, simply re reducing the toss factor as perhaps, say, Chennai in the second test did or, you know, for some degree could even say Ahmedabad, even though Virat Kohli said there was an advantage batting first in the toss. I mean, that's his opinion. But just your thoughts on whether a pitch, if it reduces the toss advantage, is a good pitch, even if it has these, you know, characteristics of breaking up on the first day. Uh, you know, don't take my opinion for it. Uh, just because I played game and I, I'm supposed to be this expert, um, when I say that I don't think toss really, uh, you know, is such a huge advantage, and uh, a pitch should be prepared in such a way that team losing the toss also has a has an equal chance. I mean, those are the uncontrollables. I have a problem with toss per se, but you just go back as I mentioned earlier. You know, there was that Mahendra Singh Dhoni era where um, you know the opposition kept winning toss. I mean, there are numerous games i just had a look at those numbers and in, in fact virat kohli as well has a great record of losing tosses and winning games dhoni has a slightly better record so those pitches were 
quite similar and these pitches are perhaps a little more dry and more crumbly than those pitches but when we went out there had a look at the pitch we knew this match is not going to last five days against south africa when india played south africa with that final match in uh, uh, in firosha kotla when ajinkya rane got uh, 202 matches those pitches were all turners and uh, we knew that you know the match is not going to go five days but india managed to win those matches so sometimes you know the result gets the whole sort of message coming out the story just changes because of the result uh Virat Kohli saying that England had an advantage when they won the toss in the pink ball match if again I want to throw uh facts at you and numbers at you know I've got some interesting numbers from you know cricket for the best place to get these numbers England batted entirely in that period from start of uh, the day's play till the twilight period when the sun was out and we all watched the game and we saw that that was the most difficult period to bat on because the pitch was dry uh, and the ball was gripping even if it was new it was gripping turning going straight the lacquer on the ball made it even harder because the ball remained hard skidded off the pitch akshar patel was playing 90 kilometers per hour but that was the difficult period to counter the slightly easier period was uh, you know once the lights came on and nightfall happened so when you look at when england batted they won the toss but unfortunately batted in that what i call the notorious time zone they batted entirely in that in that period india batted 20.2 overs in that period in the second day and scored 46 for seven in that notorious period and mm. uh, there were some lower order wickets there so what is interesting about day and night matches Ronak, is also the time when you bat and although england won the toss they batted as we eventually found out in that time when the spinners really ruled the roost and uh, which was the afternoon period 2 30 till about twilight 6 30 and post 6 30 pm was the slightly easier period so unfortunately uh, england was caught there that is not to say that england is as good a team on those kind of pitches versus india i think india has an advantage for similar pitches created for five matches india will win that series because they have better spinners uh, batting, you never know if Stokes and Root get going. They might just neutralize that advantage. But with Akshar Patel and Ravich and Ashwin versus Leach and Moin Ali and um, the offspin at best, I think that's yeah. where uh, England pale in comparison. Okay, fair enough. So let's just talk about what I teased up a little while back now <laughs> on pitch preparation, right? Uh, who wants to be a pitch curator in these days? Mm. Um, for years and years, you've had local groundsmen. You seem to have guys who know the local conditions. And yet here we are discussing, you know, the, the, the merits of a pitch after almost every game. Let's assume two scenarios. You said the intent of the groundsman stroke home board is always important. Let's assume the intent is a good one, right? Where you say at times the groundsman may just get it wrong. That he wouldn't want a game to end in two days. Even the state association or the board may not want it to end in two days. They want the game to go till the weekend, have the crowds come in. It's it's for it's in their interest as well for the game to go on, whoever wins. So I'm trying to firstly ask you, why is, is it really that hard to prepare a pitch, especially in India? Why, assuming the groundsman's intent is good, why does this seem to happen as often as it does? See, the one thing that is happening in India, I don't think there is as much pressure on the mm. cricket boards and the associations to prepare a pitch that will last five days. Uh, I don't know how the commercial dynamics work, but I've not seen that kind of uh, pressure and hence the intention changing. I've seen that happen a bit more in England and Australia where they want their pitches to last five days. Uh, so it's a thing where uh, the commercial 
you know, uh, commercial angle comes into play in preparing pitch that lasts five days. Now, that's uh, something that I've noticed in the last few years where I don't think Indian uh, cricketing uh, community or, you know, the powers to be are that concerned about the matches going five days. Uh, but having said that, you know, good pitches also we're getting results. I mean, the Australia, India, Australia series, the Brisbane test match, the last match, you know, great pitch ended on the final day. So that's an ideal kind of test match. So because of changing techniques and everything, DRS and all that, we're getting results despite having good pitches. Preparing pitches now, the curators are under tremendous pressure because I think somewhere along the line, uh, I'm not sure even in the 90s when we had those turners which suited us a lot more than the visiting team, whether there was some dialogue that was happening between the team management and the curator. But you can see there is an intent to uh, prepare turners. But if you want a turner, that's going to be a turner and become more sort of a turning pitch on day four and five, then it, it has to start by preparing a good pitch. You prepare a good pitch with a bit of grass on it. You roll it hard and make sure that it stays firm for day uh, two and a half days and then slowly starts crumbling away. Now, there is a big possibility that such a pitch might just become flat for five days. Yeah. And then there is so much criticism and attack on the curator, especially from the home team, where they didn't get the advantage that they were seeking to win a test match. So then he's got to look at you know preparing a turner and then he decides i'm going to water it a little yes not roll it as much and the sun just bakes down and the, the pitch becomes a bit too dry and then you have a match finishing in two and a half days so it is a tough one to prepare a pitch where you have an end day four and a half five where mm -hmm. where the pitch is suiting the home team more i have absolutely no problem in having pitches that suit the home team because that's yep. the whole purpose of touring teams, you know, being good enough and coming to India, uh, expecting certain kind of conditions. I'm only concerned about, and this is the very important observation that I have. I, the only problem for me is the standard and the quality of pitches. I, I, I don't buy into the fairness and unfair and home advantage and for overseas advantage, but the curator's job is tough. And because there is such an amplification of, you know, every view, criticism uh, around every event in a test match, all the more reason for anyone concerned to make sure that he's keeping the larger community happy. Okay. Uh, I, before I move on, as you've already answered it, but you are absolutely fine with the home team is entitled to a home advantage. No problem with that in test cricket. Absolutely. And I'll quickly give you an example of how good the Mumbai Ranji team was uh, when they were at the top. Because when we toured, uh, as I said, my debut uh, game in Haryana, they knew Mumbai didn't have a great spin spin attack. So they pissed out a landmine to suit their spinners who were, who were prolific. I mean, they were brilliant spinners, but Mumbai still found a way to win the game. And that kept happening everywhere we went. We expected turners, Hyderabad, Mumbai. Arshad Ayub and Shivlal Yadav turning pay. There were bouncers bowled by Arshad Ayub. Tendulkar was playing that match. Mumbai found a way to win that game. We never complained about the advantage that the state team was, you know, getting by dishing out the pitch. So I don't believe in fairness, unfair home overseas advantage. I'm only concerned because I, I we must consider Test cricket as a very sacred product because it's not something that has just erupted 25, 30 years back. It, it's got a history and there has to be an obligation from for everyone involved to have a certain quality attached to it uh, because this is not so much about 
you know, entertainment, just entertainment or money, because it's not making money anymore. It's like a heritage structure that we've yeah. got to respect. And if you have certain conditions, like you've got to have decent accommodation, decent dressing rooms, uh, good facilities for fans to sit in, the outfield has to be a certain standard, the pitch as well has to be of certain standard. Okay. Is India a harder place to achieve that standard consistently, even if you're trying with the right intentions? A uh, difficult question to answer. Uh, I, I just feel off late uh, because uh, the stakes are very high now. I'm not sure whether the test championship had something to do with it, but I get a sense of almost a desperation to win more and at all costs. And it's unfortunate because this Indian team is so good. And we saw that recently in Australia, that even if you dish out uh, an Indian pitch with no intention of it uh, uh, turning from day one or two, eventually it's going to turn. And mm. eventually India will be the better team because they have better skill sets for those kind of conditions. Also the fact in the 90s when we were preparing turners to suit us more than the opposition and we beat England easily, we beat South Africa, we beat Sri Lanka, an Asian team and we just packed our bags and we went home. We didn't celebrate those wins too much because we knew that we had a great advantage. It was not unfair because the other team could also beat us on the same kind of pitch, just that it suited us more because deep down I knew all the players knew that as a team or Indian cricket was going nowhere. It continued to win in certain conditions. And that's why we got the tag in the 90s of being Tigers at home, Lambs overseas, because our overseas performances continue to be pathetic. So winning 3-0 at home didn't give us too much job because eventually we would get exposed in overseas conditions. This Indian team has had more wins overseas. So my only disappointment is the quality of pitches, not so much about fairness and unfairness. Yeah, fair enough. Uh... Australia went the drop-in way and, you know, sometimes it comes under criticism. There's a conversation of, you speak of this heritage uh, structure, almost equivalent that test cricketers and you think are pitchers in Australia losing their heritage character, what they were known for because they decided to change the pitches. The other side of that is sometimes the pitches are outstanding. You get a great contest between bat and ball, there's pace, there is turn, everyone has something to play for. You get something like Brisbane every now and then. When you talk about India, it seems like it's a far more, uh, you know, uh, it's a nerdier study, if I have to say so on pitches. In Bombay, you guys will talk about red soil and we need to try and understand what that does. Kanpur has a different style of a turning pitch. Delhi has come under criticism in the past. Chennai has come under criticism. Then you have the surfaces in the east. Is India that way harder to, to sort of achieve parity? Why is it so complicated in India when it comes to discussing turning pitches? Uh, see, the pitches that we see, turning pitches, are mostly at the international level, at the test level. When you go down to domestic levels, you don't see a turner every time. Uh, you, as you may not see a turner like the, that we saw in Ahmedabad in the, or in Chennai in the second test match. Uh, you might get the odd turner, but I think the pitches are slightly better. And that's why you have the kind of scores that you have and you don't have spinners ruling the roost. In fact, there was a time, wasn't it? Uh, three, four years back, where in the top 10 domestic high, highest wicket-taking bowlers, you had eight seam bowlers. So domestic pitches are a little different. Just this pressure of preparing a pitch that will ensure a certain kind of advantage and a result, it just gets uh, you know the curators under a lot of pressure and mistakes happen. 
having said that, uh, I just for the viewers to understand uh, the kind of pitch that we saw in Chennai, where it was red soil. There was a time when they had gone away from the red soil, but it's come back in Ahmedabad as well and Mumbai. You get the red soil where there is inherent bounce in those kind of pitches. So that is another added advantage to a to a spinner, and that's why you had Michael Clark getting six for nine at the One Kelly Stadium because there is not only turn, there is bounce as well. So that is something that you get. In central India, uh, the bounce is uh, by nature low. So at least, you know, you have something to play with, that the ball is turning and it's not bouncing as much. Uh, in places like Mohali and all that, I've yet to see a rank turner and a bad pitch. But uh, northern India, uh, you have uh, the pitch crumbling away, but you don't get the kind of uh, nasty rough that you get, say, in Australia, South Africa. You tend to get roughs. Uh, in on red soil pitches, the rough is almost benign. And in this series, we've had red soil pitches and we've seen batsmen play a cover drive through the rough where there is, you know, a cloud of smoke and a beautiful cover drive has been played or a six has been hit. So this is the different nature of pitches. And as I say, in central India, it just sort of uh, little bits come out and it just goes away. But the rough is not as hard and hence not as responsive. But if at all, Jadeja gets that help from... Uh, you know, outside the off-sum, it's mostly in Central India pitches. So uh, the nature of the pitches also uh, dictate the kind of surfaces uh, that are made. But tomorrow, if you ask the curator to make a pitch that will last five days, we can have a pitch that will last five days. But the danger is that it will be so flat that mm. uh, the pure, poor curator and then all of us will be complaining about a boring test match. I tell you what, it's not been boring is this conversation. You've been a pitch doctor, I must say, Sanjay Manjrekar, in the sense that you've been an expert on this, as good as a doctor with his expertise. Not that you're <laughs> capable of doctoring pitches. If you were, maybe we'd get just the sort of pitches that Test Cricket needs. Sanjay, this has been great. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure talking to you in ESPN. Thank you.